record on this thing. That one's already recording. Yes, it is. Cool. So I will mute us at the start and we'll make it happen. Okay. Sounds good. Welcome to Run With Purpose. This is episode number 77. And for those of you that are new to the show, my name is Flores, and I'm so very glad that you found this podcast. Would love if you would subscribe. And as always, you can reach out to me on all the socials at flores.run. I uh, hope everyone is having a great week. Uh, it's a, it's going to be a really good episode today. I think you're going to like it. Uh, today, we have my dear friend, Laura, on the show. She was on the show last year, funny enough, right before COVID. Uh, we actually had to put a caveat before the show, before the episode when we released it last, last March, um, basically saying, hey, we don't want to be insensitive. This is like we had this conversation about like community and getting together and all this stuff and then all of this stuff happened where we couldn't be together and stuff like that. But anyways, wanted to get her back on the show because we, we talk all the time on Instagram and just catch up on, on what we're all doing. But Laura, thanks for being back on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so happy to see you again and we've survived. So that's great. <laughs> so far. <laughs> <laughs> like fingers crossed. I don't want to be too soon to say that. Um, I've, I've been trying to do a new thing in the show and kind of just plug p- things up front uh, just so people are like, hey, who am I talking to? I want to connect with this person rather than waiting until the end of the episode. So just let people cool. know how they can connect with you and that sort of thing or anything you have going on, um, and then we'll hop into it. Sure. Um, I'm on Instagram as my father's list, and that's also the name of my website. Um, I'm pretty much my father's list everywhere. I'm that on Twitter. I'm that on Facebook. I don't tend to use Twitter and Facebook as much, but um, yeah, that's how you can find me. Cool. So we'll have that in the show notes so you'll be able to connect with Laura and stuff like that. But how have you been? How are things going? <laughs> um, great. You know, uh, maybe that's an unpopular answer these days, but I, I feel like things are going great. I, I want to hear how you're doing too. Um, but in, at least in regards to my project, which was how, you know, you and I initially met, initially met and what we talked about the first time I was on, it's certainly benefited from this year, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, at the beginning, I was a little nervous um, just to catch up your listeners. Um, I've been uh, for about the last four years, I've been on this mission to check off my late father's bucket list, um, which we found 13 years after he died, had no idea it existed. Um, and he was killed by a distracted driver. And at that time, I had been an activist, but I was sort of like a frustrated activist. Like I just kind of kept seeing people do it and people continuing to get hurt by it. And I was feeling like what I was doing wasn't really working. So when the list came along, you know, as someone who's already a journalist and a writer, it struck me as maybe the perfect way to bring attention to the problem differently, um, maybe in a more, uh, I don't know, aspirational way, uh, a more interesting way. Um, and what ended up happening 
in addition to that for me is it turned out to be something I actually needed. Like it helped me process grief. I didn't know I even had still. So it turned out to be, you know, the best possible decision for me, but it also meant that the pandemic was a little bit um, different for me when it started because I wasn't really just living my life anymore. I was also in the middle of this kind of all consuming project. I mean, you know, when I, last time I talked to you, I think I had just come back from St. Thomas um, and the Super Bowl, both list items. I had just finished a photo shoot in a woman's tuxedo, you know, like own a black tux. That was a list item. I was, I was really feeling kind of high on life. I have to say, <laughs> but at the same time, it was like, things were going too fast. Like, I, you know, my husband and I spent maybe three days in St. Thomas, which is near, not nearly enough um, in a beautiful place like that. But we actually, at one point kind of reflected on it and, and said, you know, we don't really take trips just for us anymore. Um, you're so busy all the time. We really need to have some time together. And I remember saying something like, wouldn't it be great if we could just be on a deserted island kind of like this one for a year and not see anybody we knew or talk to anyone? <laughs> and then, of course, a few months later, I really regretted saying that. Because that's exactly, be careful what you wish for, folks, because that's exactly what happened. Um, I mean, you know, we really quarantined pretty strictly. Um, we didn't see anybody. We didn't talk to anybody. We knew we, we had everything delivered. Um, once in a while, I would go pick up takeout, but like we are one of those kinds of families. So um, it was a bit scary at first, but yeah, I think in the end, uh, lots and lots of good things came about. Um, this project is always teaching me. I'm always growing. I'm always learning. I'm always really just letting go of things. I, it turns out I didn't need that I thought I needed. And this year made that happen a lot. So it was it was kind of great. What about you? How was your experience of this weird, weird-ass time we're in? Yeah, it, was, <laughs> it, it didn't really make a lot of sense at first. You're like, all right, how am I going to handle this? Like, it's not a... We talked about it when we had the, the last conversation. It's not necessarily like a fear-based thing and still wanting to kind of be with people, but you really just couldn't. Like there, there just really wasn't the avenue to do that. And permanently being working from home, it was just kind of a weird experience. And it's like this used to just be blank walls. And then I got tired of looking at the camera and seeing nothing behind me. I was like, I need to order some photos or something. Um, <laughs> just so at least like I'm looking at a screen all day. But I think... it. I think it helped me grow in a lot of ways because as like a self-proclaimed introvert, like I'm cool, just, you know, we talked about I'm a data analyst. So it's like, I sit in front of my computer, I do my thing and I kind of stay, I'm the guy behind the camera in more ways than one. And this kind of forced me to kind of get on the other side of it and, and reach out to people, especially for the podcast. It's been, I've got like a gnat flying around, it's annoying me, uh, to, to reach out to people that may that I would have never reached out to had this not happened reach out on social media mm -hmm. or send an email or, or spark up a conversation that's like hey I'm doing this thing I'd love to just learn more about what you do you know what is it you do what makes you tick what drives purpose kind of thing and I think that helped me grow as a person because I've obviously gotten better at doing interviews and that sort of thing but also just kind of opening my perspective of, you know, it's so easy to kind of get into your own head of what I think is right. And, you know, not that people change my mind in a lot of things, but it helps you to see things from a different angle. If someone doesn't see things the exact same way that I do. Recently, I've had a lot of like health people on the show. And it's really good just to kind of like realize some of these things, like these mind shift, mindset changes that I've had of thinking about food and 
exercise and all this stuff. And it's kind of like flipping things. And it's like, I would have never even thought about looking for these people or like even questioned mm-hmm. it. I would have been like, no, this just makes sense. Like why, why question it at all? So I think to your point of like, it's always, there was a lot of learning through this time and you kind of realize mm-hmm. what's important to you and what's not, you know, and, and just saying, you know what, this isn't, this isn't bringing me value or joy. If we want to go back to like the minimalist, I know we've talked about them a ton of times, but if we have that, that idea of it's not bringing us joy, then, then kind of what's the purpose of it all. And, and that yeah. kind of like leads into, I don't think we've talked about it yet really, but like my wife and I, we're moving to Minnesota and I don't think anyone has actually, I've said it on the podcast yet. Um, we're oh, moving congrats. to Minnesota in September. And it was really, it's like, we've, we've wanted to kind of move and, and for me to work on the road, but we just didn't have like a reason to it. My wife's like, I can't like at 36 years old, I can't be retired. She's like, I, I got to do something like this. I can't just sit around and do nothing. So, you know, it worked out well that, that friends of ours needed some help and, and we're basically moving to Minnesota and we're going to be there for a few years. And it's kind of like the catalyst push that we needed to, to get this adventure started. But I, I think without COVID, happening and my wife being off for a few months and all that those conversations may have never happened the way they did it may have been great ideas been like hey this would be really cool to do maybe one day but realizing like oh wait a second like i didn't work for six weeks and we were fine like we were still able to do everything we wanted to do we were still paying bills saving money you know being doing all the responsible things but we realized, hey, no, this is what's important to us. Like, we don't need to go out to dinner every single week. We don't need to go do mm-hmm. these things that we just do because that's what people do, you know? And I think all of those things combined kind of help change the mindset that I have and kind of give me this, like, renewed vision, if you will, about what purpose means, what intentionality means. And, like, going into this year, my word of the year is available because I realized, like, oh I, was, I was being a little, I wanted to be focused on what was happening. But then I became over-focused and put too many things on the plate. So I, I carve out time for those opportunities to come, but I don't fill every moment of my time. You know, every hour mm-hmm. of every day isn't planned. There needs to be open space. And I think once you, when you leave that room to be available, opportunities come in that if you were, if you were closed off, you would have never realized. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the two most important prayers, right? Which are thank you and use me, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. like show gratitude for all that you have, shift your focus to gratitude. And at the same time, understand that what we're here for is, is to express what made us. At least that's my own belief system about it. But I think that's, that's so true. What you're saying, it's like, you think about things a certain way, you never think to question them and then something happens and all of a sudden you're questioning everything. And then it's like, you're making room for new belief systems to come in. Mm. And to me, I think right now, as we're in this weird area where we're all sort of back with people and out there, but also sort of still working from home. And it's like this weird blend of what's happening. What I've been seeing happen with with people is I think it's a little bit stressful because we have developed these new belief systems while in this you know extraordinary time, and yet lots of people want things to be a little bit more normal again. And I don't think most people actually want to go back or can go back or should be expected to go back yeah. to how things were. And it's like it, I think a lot of us are kind of asking ourselves, is that okay? Can I continue to be this new authentic self that I've discovered? while this has been happening? And the answer is yes, of course. But it's like, you know, at the same time, you're going to find yourself in these situations 
depending on what the situation is and who the people are, who you're with that are going to make you revert back to a familiar role. And it's like, all of a sudden that feels really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've been noticing that, but I think that's kind of what's going on. Yeah. It will go to that idea of, of what's normal. You know, we, we, mm-hmm. we had this day to day where you don't get the break and that becomes normal, it becomes routine, it becomes mundane. And then when you kind of have something that shakes it up, you're like, wait a second. Like, okay, you're questioning, like you said, everything you do. And then it goes back to, am I going back to normal? And you're like, well, was normal where you wanted to be? And what is normal anyways? And so this idea of people always say like the new normal. And it's like, yes, that's kind of how we interact as human beings. But it's really kind of challenging that always. It's like, why would you want to be stagnant? To me, like being normal is just like stagnant. Like you're just literally getting in in line and, and moving rather than kind of seeing what, seeing what you're in line for. Because how many times you see that? You see like a line somewhere and you're like, hey, there must be something going on because these, <laughs> these people are lined up. Like there has to, like yeah. I wonder what's happening there. And you're like, I guess I'll stand in this line. And people are like, what's this line for? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe they're giving out a t-shirt or something. And we get into this, like let's just hop in line because everybody else is and not yeah. realizing like, hey, you don't, you don't have to do this. Like when I told people we were moving, they're like, why? And I'm like, why not? Like, it's what difference does it make? And, you know, we have family that are asking a bunch of questions about just, you know, the logistics of how it's all happening and why are we doing this and why are we helping friends or why are we doing And I'm like, why is it any of your business? You know, like, like and that's, <laughs> how do they respond to that? Yeah, they, they, they don't respond well to me. So that's <laughs> usually how, but that's really what that really what it comes down to is, you know, we'll, we'll talk about things, but if then they question it, it's like, this is what we decided to do because we're not just going to do things for the sake of doing them. Everything we do should have some sort of purpose. The reason why Kayla didn't want to be retired at 36 years old, because she still felt like she needed to have purpose doing something. This opportunity came up and now she still has purpose, but we're also living the, the next step in our journey kind of thing. I mean, we've been in Ohio right, yeah. for 14 years. It's like, why can't we change? Like, what's the, what's the reason behind it? And I think a lot of it, and you see this just in general, when, when you talk about like things that are normal, it's a lot of times people are just, not jealous isn't maybe the, the correct word, but it's, it's something along those lines of they wish they could take that step. They're, they have this like fear of if I take that step and I fail in that step, what's gonna happen then? And, and instead of kind of like embracing the, the possibility of failure, kind of just sitting back and going, you know what? I think I'll just stay right here because this is what I've known. This is normal to me. And this is kind of where I'm going to sit. Yeah. Or, I mean, even, even more benign than that, it might just be, I never even, it never even occurred to me that this is a possibility. Mm, yeah. So it's more like you could just get a blank, very neutral blank stare. Like you're speaking a foreign language. You know, I tend to find that's the case. I'm just, I'm just used to that now at this point that pretty much any, you know, new adventure I'm taking on because of this bucket list, I'm, I am going to get people who are like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, great. And it's like, oh, that's right. You're the person who does that stuff. So, and, and I've had to learn how to accept that, which, which for me in particular actually has been quite difficult, or at least was in the beginning, because I certainly was one of those people who was very aware of what people thought of me and, you know, very aware of my image and how, what, how is that, you know, and compared to who I really am and I need to protect who I really, like, it was like a whole, I certainly was engaged in that and it probably tormented me. Okay, I'm getting a message and my laptop's gonna drop out, so I need to get my charger. Can you hold on for one no second? Worries. No worries. So sorry about this. 
Sorry about that. Hold on one second. No worries. I think this happened last time, didn't it? Oh, stop. It did not happen last time. I'm going to have to go back and forth because I'm pretty sure your laptop almost died. There's a possibility. Did I mention how old it is? It's super old. Okay, we're in business. Sorry about that. That was such a podcast faux pas. I've done so many podcasts now, too. You were like my first. Well, I think you were my second. And now I've done like, you know, like 11 more. And this never happens. So you must have some like real, like tolerant energy that allows for this. I think it's just that I think think it's it's a natural flow of how things do. And I think that that kind of helps our conversation. conversation. Can you turn the speaker down? It looks like it's 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 feedbacking a little bit. Oh, sorry about that. How's this? That should be better. Is this better? Yeah, it's good. Is that good? Yeah, yeah, it's good. Okay, cool. Um, But you kind of get into this with this this idea of like comfortable and being able to kind of just be authentic, like your authentic self, instead of having this like Mm -hmm. social image. You can come into that. And I've noticed it when I have been invited on on podcasts and stuff where doing this for... Four, four or five years, however long I've been doing podcasts, I've always had this very open, like very comfortable, like, hey, we're just hanging out. We're having a conversation kind of vibe. But I'll be on some shows sometimes and it's, it's a little too structured. And then of course the person yeah. in me wants to go, okay, how can I shake this up? Like I want to, I want to like flip the script kind of, if they're asking me questions, I'm going to ask them questions. How, how are you, how are you doing? What's going on with you? Tell me more about that. And, mm-hmm. and I think that helps kind of like drop those shields of this like social image, uh, social media image, if you will, of how we're identifying and making people realize who we are. Like, Oh, I'm this because this is how I'm portrayed on a screen or on a podcast. You kind of hide behind that mask and when you do that, it kind of, it can make you feel good because you're kind of protecting yourself. But at the same point in time, where does that authenticity come in? And how do you, how do you play that balance of, I don't want people to know too much about me, but I also don't want to come off as like a fake or a fraud. Yeah, it's very two dimensional. It's very limiting. I mean, I, I honestly, I tend to find emojis limiting. I tend to find likes or, you know, I don't like this on Facebook. I find that limiting. Um, I think this weird thing has been happening to us as a society ever since we really started uh, using social media to the degree that we do in, in that it's like if you're not expressing all the emotions that you can have in interactions with people, then you just start forgetting you have them. Mm. So it's almost dumbing us down, but but not dumbing us down in a, in a like I'm smarter, stupid way, like not not with our intelligence, although that might be happening as well. Um, <laughs> it's dumbing us down to like our souls, you know, to to these co- complicated, complex beings that we truly are inside that are so much more than what a consumer obsessed society is telling us to be. So in a way, it's sort of turning us into objects when, of course, we're not that. And, you know, I'm, I always find it interesting, like when I look at uh, things on Instagram, you know, you'll always find a certain percentage of women will take pictures from above. Mm. You know, they've done studies on this because, you know, it's like there's something psychological about that, that that makes you look more appealing or attractive if like you seem, I don't know, um, almost childlike or or like, you know, you're you're being I don't know, the subject of something. Whereas you'll see some women that do it from below. And I got really interested in that recently. I was kind of like, well, which women are the ones who are doing it from below? And inevitably you're gonna find most people who are um, celebrated actresses are doing it from below. 
I thought that's really fascinating. What is it that's making them buck the system? And it's because they feel powerful, I think. So, I mean, but even that is like, that's an unconscious decision you're making about how do I want, you know, how do I want to express my life in the way that I'm showing it to people? Right. Well, so, you, but but you it's have this very like, unusual. Yeah, you have this like curated gallery when you're talking about um, the social media and people using it and that sort of thing. It's, it's very curated to whatever you want to share. So however you want to put this out, you, that's kind of the image you're saying. So, you know, if you don't see someone day after day, if you only looked at my social media feed and that's the only thing you ever knew about me, yes, you're going to form certain thoughts, beliefs, whatever, about who I am as a person based off of those things, whether it's intentional or not. Obviously, I post certain things in a strategic kind of way because it's a business and, you know, I need to make sure I'm doing things to put myself out there in a way. But I don't want it ever come off as unauthentic and that's why I usually I'll post failures or post mess ups there's a new trend going out that's like uh, hey I'm a photographer and I took this photo and they're showing like these like beautiful photos and I'm literally I started doing it today I'm going to find all of the shit photos I took that were like blurry didn't make any sense it was just like just the context wasn't there and be like I'm a photographer and I took this photo because it's like not everything (laughs) is not everything is rainbows and butterflies and that's that's life and that's okay but if we, if we hide behind it and only show our highlight reel, people that might look up to, to us that are, that are looking at our social media, if he's like, hey, I like what they do, or they seem like they have, <clears throat> they seem like they have it all together. I don't have it all together. If anyone thinks that, please don't. But you, you're pushing forward with this, this image and people are like, hey, I want to be like that. If they don't see the bad part of it too, or like the, um, not bad as in destructive, but bad as in it took it. You you failed a few times to get there, or you had to put a little extra in to get to a certain please. <clears throat> if they don't see that, you're setting the bad image up because people are going to think, okay, I just got to do all these things, and there's never going to be a fault in the road. And then when they get to the fault, they go, well, obviously it must not be for me because I hit that fault, and this other person didn't, or whoever I look up to, and stuff like that. So like I try to follow people that do that all the time. Of, hey, nope, I screwed up here, and. I'm owning it and we're just going to keep moving on with it. Yeah, that's a good point. And I'm, 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 I've been doing that as well with the list because it is every time I do a list item, I fail miserably before I succeed. So I really, I'm, I've always said, I'm going to show you everything that's going on here. Like what this actually is, because those are the greatest lessons I ever get is when I fail. Um, and, you know, we can talk about that a little bit more in detail if you want, but I, I do want to touch on, um, what you were saying, because I, you said something about uh, how you think it affects younger people who are who are exposed to looking at these pictures and people they look up to. And I've only recently started kind of befriending a few younger people, like one in particular I'm very close to. And something, uh, you know, and I'm looking at my nephew who's, who's getting to be in his 20s now. And, and you know, I did an article recently about how the pandemic affected people uh, in college and teenagers. And I think what might be happening is it's like we're showing them the rewards, like the results of of the journey so often that they're not getting the journey part. Like they're not they're not seeing enough of it. And and that's a shame because it's not about the reward. It's not about the outcome. Um, you know, the, the actual experience that is fulfilling as a human being is doing something. It's, it's when you're in flow. It's when you're in the middle of that run. It's when you're in the middle of writing a book, you know, whatever it might be for you, 
that's the joy that's the fulfillment and you know like I had a young person say to me I feel like it's an ancient saying a young person I'm not that old people young whippersnappers um, <laughs> yeah a younger person said to me recently how she was working really hard on something and she's like I just I just want to know when the reward happens and I'm thinking like Oh, that's right. I remember being that age and thinking, how do I get to this place where I'm finally going to be the thing? You know, like I want my life to start. How am I going to be a real person instead of this, you know, child in this family that I belong to? And there's such like a yearning for that. But if we glamorize too much, these these adventures we're on and these positive results, you know, it's like you said, they're not, they're not seeing the part that's actually good. And the part that's actually good is, you know, and this is part of, this is one of the benefits of I'm on in the middle of a three week smartphone cleanse right now, which I do every year um, in honor of my dad uh, because he was killed by a driver who was on a phone. So, I mean, my feeling is it's, it's, it's our obsession with phones, not, not necessarily using it in the car. I mean, it has to start somewhere. Um, But one of the things I experienced right away, I'm, I'm on like day four now. And one of the things I experienced right away is my actual emotions again. Mm. Like I just start crying for no reason. I'm like, what am I upset about? And it's like, nothing. I'm not, I'm not really, <laughs> it's just, this is like what's been staying in there every time I pick up a phone. Cause it's like, it becomes so unconscious that this is part, it almost becomes like a third arm. You know, this is just part of how I spend my day and live my life and I reach for it. But the truth is like, there are things stimulating you that are in that phone, like far more stimulating than if you were reading a book or something. I mean, it's doing things to your brain. It's affecting your dopamine. It's giving you a rush if somebody likes you. And it's like, I mean, we talked about this a little bit the first time we talked, but I still think it's true, maybe even more now than before, because here we've had this terrible trauma we've all lived through, and it's so hard to process a trauma like that. And what lightens the load a little bit is if you have an escape, like some kind or another, and actually, and I think you said this in a recent interview, actually working through pain and loss and grief is is profoundly difficult. But I mean, it's 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 so fulfilling if you do it, you just have to make yourself do it. Yeah. That was a conversation with Anna where we're talking about her mother and stuff like that, where it's, it's an interesting thing where if you just, if you, if you ignore it, yes, you might get through it, but what are you really learning from the process? And it's never going to go away. You kind of have to embrace those situations and kind of take them head on. Yeah. I think that that's, that's interesting. And I like the, what you're saying about these not showing not explaining the journey we're showing them that reward and i think what ends up happening is we have this like culture of instant gratification where and and it's just like i know millennials we get a bad rap but you know like oh you guys have to have your participation trophies it's like well we didn't give ourselves the participation trophies (laughs) no that was done for you right our parents are doing it and we're doing the same thing for the next generation we're making it easier to have this instant gratification and we're blaming them that they want to have they need to have everything right now and do this. And it's like, well, that's what we set them up for. We literally are just using their cell phones or devices or whatever to make them do this. And it's what do you, like, it's hard to tell them no, because we literally created this for them to use. And it's kind of that weird catch 22 where we want to blame. And I think, I mean, every generation I think does this where they blame the younger generation, not realizing that was actually their fault that the reason that that happened. But we, we come into this idea of, with influencers and all of this kind of thing where it's, hey, if you want all these cool things, this is how we do it. This is what we do. 
but it's again it's on it's only the end you don't see the journey that it took to to get everywhere you think you know you see your you see your justin bieber that you know blew up you know that's probably a bad choice for the for the younger kids like justin bieber do you guys know who that is um <laughs> he was around for a long time a long time ago he was a young kid but it's like you see things like that and it's like yeah they were he was putting in a lot of work before Usher found him on YouTube and doing yeah. this kind of thing. You hear people like that are making, you know, millions of dollars a year playing video games online, but it's like 15 years ago, they were sitting in their parents' basement, not making anything, putting in the work to make that happen. And now we're seeing the rewards of it. But the problem is, is with how social media and how fast culture moves, we expect it to kind of be now not realizing that the journey that it took. I saw a post I think I reshared it. I may have saved it. I don't know if I did, but it talked about two things that were like 65 years apart. And it was the Wright mm-hmm. brothers flying their first plane and us going to space. That was only 60 something years apart from each other. And you're like, oh wait, like we're moving f- much faster than any time before. And it's hard to put that concept in of that was only 60 years, but we want to see that satisfaction right now. And we're kind of, you know, what's the next 60 years going to hold? Who knows? Phones are going to be implanted in our heads. Apple's going to rule the world. Apple and Amazon, because, you know, why not? But I don't know where I was going with that. But I think this, <laughs> I, this idea of, like, the journey, I think, is so important with, with purpose and, and everything that I talk about, because that is really where it is. That's where you learn. If you put too much focus on the end, it's probably not going to satisfy you. I mean, you're not, you don't, you don't get to an end of a race and be, you're, well, let me phrase, you're going to be like, I'm so excited I did that. That was awesome. But a couple hours later, that's already worn off. And you're like, okay, now what's the next thing I can do? Because I need, I need to get there again. I need to hit that level again. And, and when you kind of go in that vicious cycle, it's, if you only focus on the end goal, you're missing, like you said, you're missing the entire point because the, the real learning and the real opportunity for growth is in the journey as you're almost stair-stepping of positive, negative, positive, negative, and, and hopefully uh, trending upwards towards the positive. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it's great to be like, what am I going to do next, though? Because, I mean, not not if you're just seeking some kind of, like, runner's high or, or that feeling of accomplishment, but rather, you know, I've done this, and now I feel like I'm ready to do the next thing. Because you're really always, you know, it's like... Someone said to me the other day in, in an email, Excelsior, and I thought, that's not, what is that? <laughs> it's like King Arthur, and like I looked it up, it's like, oh no, that means like ever upward. That's what Stan Lee's phrase, like his motto was Excelsior. And like, I just look, I've been really into the Avengers this year. So I was like, yes, that's awesome. But he would say it because, you know, that's really what we're all doing. We're all really in our lives always going ever upward, but it's like, how do you define upward? Do you define it as um, more money? Do you define it as uh, a more status, uh, feeling more important? Um, or, you know, do you define it as growth? As and, and I think we're entering a phase now, particularly because of this pandemic, but probably just, you know, a lot of the political unrest and and things that we've that have really come to light in recent years, the, the way we've kind of been dehumanizing people in our society. I think we're coming to a point now where we're starting to understand that the ever upward is about your soul's experience. It's, you know, it's, it's, am I, am I better able to love other people? Am I better able to love myself? Am I living in such a way every day that I feel like I helped someone, you know, I, 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 and I think that's a good thing, but I think at the same time, it's very confusing because, you know, 
it used to be that there was some kind of community or organized religion that your whole family believed in and belonged to. And, you know, you, you had a place where you could turn to so-and-so and talk to them about, well, I'm feeling a little lost in life right now. Like, do you have advice for me? So there was kind of a group think that now we know isn't such a good thing, but at the same time, it was at least, you know, you knew where to go. And then I think probably mid 20th century, you have that shifting into more like a psychological realm where it's like, well, no, now we need to talk about our brains and we need help with like decision making and maybe I have a mental illness and, and it, it became much more um, clinical. You know, I really think that was a major shift that was happening. And a lot of that had to do with like the me generation and, and you know, our, like at least my parents who, who came of age in the 60s, discovering that, you know, they didn't have to do everything just the way their parents did and the way their community and family did. They could have their own life, which, you know, we should be really grateful for, especially women, given, you know, the feminist movement. But I think um, what's happening now is we're starting to want to return to some of that spirituality and some of that feeling of, of belief and faith because we really need it because so much in, in the world is sort of starting to collapse. But a lot of us, particularly people, I think in their twenties are like, where do we go? What do we listen to? I can't do what my grandparents did. I can't, you know, cause that's uh, organized religion. The yeah, there's a lot of corrupt stuff going on there. That's not for me. I can't do what my parents did, you know, or, you know, for people that age, maybe their grandparents, because I, I care about more than just figuring out who I am, you know, like, I, I want to find my place in the world. I want to see what, what is this all about? Like, what, what are the real consequences of my choices? So I think that's why we're really starting to see this exercise movement. And as far as endurance running, um, we're starting to see a lot of mindfulness. Um, new age stuff is really hot right now. I think it's like, we're just trying to figure it out like what's next and how are we going to navigate this and you know that's exciting but it's also like scary as hell so the way i've sort of been figuring out as far as having this project with my dad's bucket list which you know really means i'm checking off anywhere between 10 to 13 items every year in a five-year period um the way i've been navigating it is like i've just sort of been realizing Oh, okay, so like school didn't end when school ended. Like I, I can still be a student for the rest of my life. I can still be studying all these new topics, which were things that my dad loved to do and wanted to do. Um, it gives me a way to connect with him really, you know, for the rest of my life. Like if someone's gone, they're not necessarily really gone. Like their spirit is still with you. And that's been a really beautiful thing. But at the same time, it, it has this way of making me feel super young like even with people who are my age because I haven't gotten to a place in my life yet where it's just like well this is this is it <laughs> you know like I made my choices here's how it's gonna go like I really don't feel like that and I think I I, I think I plan on kind of always staying like this because that's just more natural for me I'm not saying that that's for everybody but it keeps me present and it keeps me learning and it's expanding what I'm learning that I'm capable of doing. And, and I don't know, I just find that to be a very fulfilling way to live. Yeah. I think that, like you said, the, the idea of like mindfulness and mindset coaching and all that stuff is a very, very hot topic. And it's very big because people are trying to, like you said, find their place in the world and not settle. And I think that's kind of where you were talking about is, is most people as they get older, they become in this like, is this all it is? 
And some people say, you know what, this is what it is and I'm just settling in this. I'm gonna work at this job. I'm gonna work in this career. I'm gonna do this same thing. And that, that's just how life is. And then other people, like you are kind of, you had this re- rejuvenation, if you will, with the list mm-hmm. where it's like, hey, I'm gonna start doing these new things and trying new experiences. And then as you do those new experiences, the new opportunities open and new things happen. But it still all kind of comes back to that, that mindset shift of, I'm not settling for just what it is. I'm not going to do what everyone expects me to do. My brother has four kids and my family was like, when are you having kids? And I'm like, we're not having kids. And it took a while for them to to understand that. But it's like, just because you feel like that's the the thing I should do doesn't mean that's what I want to do. And how do we kind of switch that? We had an episode uh, a few months back now called like the American dream and how the American dream isn't necessarily your dream. You know, some context of it might be good, but you know, what is, you have to define your own version of success. And that's really what you should be going to is if, if you're, if you're moving towards that goal, that's the, really the most important part and, and being open to learning and that sort of thing. You talked about organized religion and faith and that sort of thing. And I've seen it more and more being, being pretty involved in the church, uh, in our local church that that young people are kind of doing that. They're trying to find their way and do this. And you're seeing it in all of the cultural aspects of it, whether it's it's Christian music or worship music or any of that stuff. There's a very, like a literal revival of this this younger generation coming up saying, hey, I need answers. And, and the church is trying to respond in a way that's like loving and not, <clears throat> not as I would say, like kind of in, in my parents' age where it was a little more, Judgy again is not the right word, but it's kind of it. Is you were in the click or you weren't in the click, and it was kind of like are you, there's no like gray line of how it is. And now we're getting more into this idea of like, hey, we're all a little messed up, and and how do we kind of push <laughs> forward with that, knowing that like, hey, the person on the street made maybe one decision that I didn't make, and that's what got them there. But that doesn't make me better than them. That doesn't put me above someone in those circumstances and, and understanding and empathizing with people where they're at, not trying to change people to who you believe they should be. And that whole idea and change in my mind personally helped me kind of take a step back. And like when we revamped hangry and everything is kind of taking that step back and going, okay, no, like, like I, I could literally lose my job and I might be, I'd be okay for a little bit, but what if the economy went down as well? Like I could find myself in a food pantry line, just like many middle-class families did when COVID hit and they didn't have a job. It, it kind of just like resets your head and goes, wait a second. Like I'm not immune to this. I've just been, I've been, um, lucky enough to, to be in certain situations, to be born in the place I was born and raised the way I was raised, doing the things I was doing. And, you know, obviously I put work in along the way, but a lot of the, the variables in that were out of my control. I just got placed in a good spot to start off. And a lot of people don't have those opportunities. And how can we make sure that we are loving people where they're at and not looking down on them? Like I'm helping you because I have, I have more than you. So yet here's here, take what I have or take what I have left rather than come alongside side me and how can we go through this journey? I talk about it all the time with Hangry. Um, when people talk about, it frustrates me beyond belief, these like clean your pantry to give to the food, uh, clean your cupboard out for the food pantries. It's like, hey, great, I'm glad you're giving food to the food pantries, but why are you giving them your leftovers? 
Why are you giving them mm-hmm. literally the stuff that's been in your closet for two years that you didn't want? Like, no, go to the store and buy some damn food for these people because they need good stuff. And that's what we do with Hangry is we'll go to the store and we'll, we're buying like organic stuff, you know, name brand things, whatever we can find. Like, hey, if I'm going to eat this, I'm just going to buy some more and that's what we're going to donate. We're going to make the dollar go as far as we can, obviously, but I'm not going to just give them boxes of mac and cheese and tuna. You know, like, would you want to eat that every day? No. But it's like we have this mentality of that's what you do. You, you give people these things because that's what they need. And it's like, have you ever talked to a person? Half the time, all they want is a conversation. They don't, they don't I love, I love that you said that. Yeah. I love that you just said that. Cause I was watching something recently where, where they were saying, you know, and I was really happy when I saw it because I've taken up the practice of doing this over the last few years. Um, where they're saying, you know, if you see someone who's homeless, uh, the, yeah, sure. They, some money might help them out, but they really want to be seen. Yeah. They really want a conversation. And, you know, I, I have like, <laughs> I used to have this, my friend Damien at, at the, the train station who I would talk to every single time. And, and after I, after a while I started realizing he really doesn't remember me. <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm viewing him as my friend because this is my, my, my one homeless friend. And of course he doesn't know who I am because think about how many people he encounters in one day. So I was always kind of reminding him, but um, you know, I'd ask him about his life. I would ask him about a job. He was, he was, interested in getting and you know it's like we, we believe in these really false hierarchies I think I think that's where where it comes from and you know this kind of person at this particular station in life whether that's that's job wealth education gender you know what race whatever it might be um, we, we just think well this person fits in this category and therefore that's how I treat that person and it really has to be across the board I mean you know every time every time you're in a situation like what you were talking about where people need food it's like you're being given an opportunity to help you're being able to you're given an opportunity to show compassion and to choose that path and the best way I've been able to wrap my head around it because I have encountered this with with my project many times actually because you know it cost me money to (laughs) to do some of these things the Super Bowl ticket was quite pricey and it's like you know I must be crazy to be investing my own money in something that's that's purely just to honor someone who who I lost but you know who I feel now I didn't ever actually really lose but um you know and I realized uh what I'm doing is is having an effect on other people and it's having an effect on the choices that they make in their lives and they might choose compassion they might choose to honor someone instead of thinking about you know um, their own image or, or or what kind of success they're having in their own life and I really think that's that's what it's all about because I just started thinking okay uh, the decisions I'm going to make now going forward for the rest of my life because I get it like I'm going to die that's inevitable that happens to everybody that's just how it is um but based on the experiences I've had now with my dad's list and, and genuinely feeling like his spirit is still very alive and well and is helping me because I just see miracles all the time. I don't think I'm going anywhere when I die. I'm gonna still be here. I'm gonna be around, you know. Like I'll say things to my husband sometimes. Like, what did I say to him once? When you see the sun, that's me. <laughs> he was like, Oh great, so I can never escape you <laughs> except at nighttime. <laughs> you know, bad idea, bad bad example. But still, I mean, our 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 presence and our spirit doesn't go anywhere. So my feeling now is when I'm making choices, and it really everything is a choice that you're doing in your life. Like you're fooling yourself if you think it isn't. But when I make these conscious choices, I'm not thinking about, you know, 
what am I going to accrue while I'm here? What are people going to say about me when I'm gone? Which used, that used to be a big one for me. I used to feel like, well, I want to have like this literary legacy. You know, I want people to say, well, she really did something. Because I felt that my dad maybe didn't do everything he wanted to do. And I wanted to feel, feel different from that. But what I realize now is when I'm gone, I'm really not going to give a shit what people say about me and what's happening. Because, you know, it just doesn't matter in that realm. So the way I look at it now is more you know, how can I advance? How can I love more, love better? How can I grow? How can I be more compassionate towards this person who, who maybe I don't like that much, you know, who maybe I don't understand and who does things I take too personally. But if I apply love to that situation, instead of fear and avoidance, you know, if I seek to connect instead of protect myself from, from any kind of conflict, there's a chance I might fix it. There's a chance I might reach that person. And that that's a hard thing to do, but I do think that's what we're here for. I think we were each given unique gifts and that's what they're for. They're not for saying, look at me, look how great I am, which really is kind of an elementary school, high school kind of mindset to have, right? Like look on the top of the honor roll. That's really what it is. And a lot of people just never let go of it to be a fully grown adult and, and emotionally mature and spiritually mature is to say, no, I was given this for a reason. I'm going to develop it and use it because that's why I have it. That's what it's here for. I mean, if you're feeling lost in your life and you're feeling like, God, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to, what am I supposed to do? What am I passionate about? Man, just do the things that bring you bliss. Do the things that make you happy. Do the things where like, if you're doing it, you completely lose track of time and you feel like you're right where you're supposed to be because you are. And, and that's, that's what it is. And really, you know, you were designed to have this yearning. Like you were, that's why it's there because we're all here to help each other get to the next place, I think. Yeah, I love, I love all of that. There's so many notes I wrote down. Okay, um, go, go, go. Go, 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 rapid fire. I can't wait to hear what you say. <laughs> So you brought up a, a couple good points that kind of link together, in, in at least in my train of thought, was this idea of, of the choices we make. Everything we do, we have a choice. It may not seem like yeah. we have a choice, but we always have a choice. Some are good choices, some are bad choices, some are choices you should not make at any point in time, but you still have the choice. You still have the choice to like, no, you shouldn't strangle the dog next door, but you could strangle the dog next door. Please don't <laughs> strangle your dog next door. I'm not promoting that. We're making that very clear, not promoting animal violence. But we have this, <laughs> this, this choice in our minds, or we have this choice in every circumstance that we do. And I've talked about it a bunch of times, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you react. That's really your choice you make, is, is, is your reaction in that. And this idea of choosing to, to, to love someone that, that you may not like or don't understand, I think that's the biggest one is, a lot of times we say we don't like someone, but it's because we don't understand where they're coming from. We don't understand mm -hmm. the story that, they're, that they lived to get to the point where they're at. We don't know what's going yep. on behind them. And we're not willing, most of the time, innately, we're not usually willing to, to what's going on? There's, got, there's something else underneath here because this one thing wasn't the thing that set you off. There's something else there. And choosing to love someone and not be afraid to step into that situation and ask uncomfortable, un uncomfortable questions or, or try to get things out of people, you know, that, that seeking to connect. I, I love that because if we're always saying, how can I connect with you? Not this is what divides us. Here's the things that we, we don't like about each other. How can we connect? 
even if there's just that one piece that we can just very tightly connect, okay, now we have a starting point and now we can move forward. Even if we disagree on everything else, if we connect on this one thing, we can at least continue to have a relationship that is prosperous in some way, shape or form. I think we get into this thing, I think I've talked about this before on the show, but I grew up in, in rural North Carolina where the last name of Flores, it was, hey, Mexican, why aren't you in the tobacco fields with your families picking, picking tobacco? And, and I didn't know that. I came from South Florida. I'm like, no, everybody, everybody looks like me. Everyone has olive skin and green eyes. That's just how everybody is in South Florida. And then it, it became as I, because of the group of friends I, I lived near and everything, I think I started to get that mentality in my head again. And I, in, it, to a point, it's partly partially racism in, in everything I was doing is I was looking at it through this lens as just like a country white boy that grew up in the sticks and didn't know any better. And that was the, the mindset that I had. And it took a little while when I moved back to Florida to kind of break out of that, to not look at someone and judge someone because of my context that has been provided to me of, oh wait, that's, that's not right. That's not okay to judge someone by the way they look or the actions they take. Again, understanding people's story. And when you break all of that down, it took me a lot to kind of really have that open and honest conversation, even with myself, to go, no, some of these things aren't right. Like some of the things I'm, I'm doing or looking at or laughing at or poking fun at or, or enjoying at the expense of others, that's not right. But it took a lot to kind of realize, like, wait a second, I am choosing to have this, this run my life and this is the direction I'm going to go. I'm going to no longer do that. Does it make up for anything I did in the past? No. However, I'm, <clears throat> I'm now more aware of such situations and circumstances that I'm able to better discern those situations and make better choices when those opportunities arise. And I think that's the full circle on our choices is we all have choices to make. But if you don't know something is, is quote unquote wrong or, or not healthy or destructive towards someone else, if you don't know that, how can I make a proper choice to it? But I need to be on the other side and make sure I'm giving people grace and understanding of, hey, maybe they don't know. Maybe they don't know how that made me feel. Maybe they don't know my background that that, that cut a little deeper than it probably would have if you said it to somebody else. And really understand like, hey, 90% of the time, people are not trying to cut you down to your core. They're not trying no. to, they're not trying to bring you down on purpose. So if you get down, it's like, it's taking that step back going, okay, why do I feel the way I feel? What, what happened here? And how can I display that in a way that is loving to the other person so they understand? Like, hey, I took it this way. And they'd be like, no, oh, I totally didn't mean it that way. Like, my apology. Like, and that's usually the, the situation. But what we usually do and what the innate response is in culture is you're a horrible person because you believe these things or you do whatever. Anytime, I don't say anytime, a lot of the times if I tell people, I'm a Christian or, or I go to church or I do these things, they instantly put labels on everything I do. You must believe all of these things because the people that I know that, rate, that label themselves that way do all of these things. So now all of a sudden we're labeling people and it's like, hey, labeling people is what you say I'm doing and you're doing it. You're literally labeling me with something based off of who, who you say I am as a person, how I identify in certain areas. And I think it's such a dangerous area that certain groups can be correct and others cannot when we're talking the same language and we're saying, hey, we all need to get to this more inclusive environment. 
again, not trying to compare my situation to anything that's obviously going on. There's a lot, there's a lot worse situations going on right now, but at the heart of it, it's the same thing as we need to love people where they're at and understand that we may not understand everything they've gone through, their family history, anything there, and really being able to have an open and honest conversation, not a debate. Yeah, um, those are all really great points. And um, I think what makes things really complicated is that we're human beings, right? So while all that stuff I was talking about before, about being a soul and an eternal soul is all well and good, we have reincar- we have incarnated in this incarnation into these these bodies of flesh that have to get along and survive. We have to keep ourselves alive. And it's like, huh, I just quoted framework here. I'm very excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening to that song on my playlist for my training for the triathlon. But um, anyway, but it's true. I mean, you know, some of the projects I get as a copy editor are um, uh, anthropology, biological anthropology uh, textbooks. And, and that's what they talk about. They talk about why do we behave the way that we do? And so many of the things that we do truly are evolutionary. So when, you know, when you have that experience where you meet someone and it's you feel like they're sizing you up, they are sizing you up. And it's like you can't stop people from doing that. It's going to happen. It's protective. It's a survival thing. You just have to. But, you know, at the same time one of the really interesting things i've been learning recently is okay so these we develop these evolutionary skills so that our species could survive but at the same time our understanding of it within the 20th century and the 19th century was totally colored by the people who were writing those books you know the people whose perspectives uh, match that particular time. So we're talking about, you know, white men and, and, and scientists from the enlightenment and, you know, they're just phrasing things in ways that make sense to them when, you know, now I think it was like a couple months ago, national geographic had this incredible article about how, well, you know what? Women were hunters. It's like, what? <laughs> we, we didn't know that. There was no they textbook that said that. They're in the caves with the, with the babies and they're, they're hunting and gather. I mean, not hunting, they're gathering and, and they're getting the berries and they're cooking while the men are out hunting. And, and, you know, here they found these skeletons. I think it might have been two. It might have been one. But they found skeletons of women in places where their hunting would have been happening. I find it baffling that we're only just learning this now after like how many hundreds of years of, of archaeology and anthropology that now we're just seeing this. So, I mean, it's like, what else do we believe that actually was more of a blend of like uh, cultural mores and uh, religion? Because, you know, the Bible certainly colored many different ideas about things for a long time. And I think we're at a place right now you know, I mean, what I was saying is what do we believe that really that's not quite how it was. And I think we're at a place right now where that's why our culture is shifting to the degree that it is. And that's why you're getting these divisions. And that's why the whole sizing someone up is becoming much more of a crucial life skill for people, because I think a lot of people do feel outdated and left behind. And, you know, um, like you were saying, it's like, if you're not challenging yourself in certain ways, you're not expanding your capacity for compassion. So it's like, as I've gone through my project with my dad's list, the more I say, okay, you know what? Sailing by myself, that's going to be freaking hard, but I have to make myself do it because I said I was going to do it. And the more I face that fear of capsizing, which did happen, by the way, and it was fine. Um, but the more I do that, the more it's like, oh, that wasn't so bad. In fact, you know what? That was great. And there are parts of that I never could have experienced had I not done it. 
So it's like when we make ourselves do these things throughout our lives, you know, and, and if you're a parent and it's like, well, I have kids, so I don't have time for that kind of thing. You can also do these things with your kids, which is great because then you're also demonstrating to them at an early age what it is to go on a project and have an adventure. So it's like there's no reason why you can't continue to be learning and challenging yourself, because what I have found happens is like if you take on a new skill like that, it's like it has to find room in your brain. Right. So then something's got to go. So for me, a lot of that has been this trauma and this grief that I felt over my father that was like taking up a whole lot of space in there that I was carrying around that I was like, well, I feel different. And, you know, because it happened when I was 25. So it was like, clearly I'm different from every person I'm meeting. I allowed it to like make me feel alienated, make me feel like my life is ruined now. You know, like all of these things that a person would probably think if a, if a tragedy like that happens. And not only that, but like the meaninglessness of, of the, the method of, of the way that he died. So it's like you could take that and internalize it or you could just say, well, you know what? I've just been given so much freedom because if the worst thing that could happen has happened, I, my life's going to be pretty awesome. Like the odds are very low that something else like this is going to go wrong and I'm just going to like enjoy it. Um, but really, you know, I'm, I feel like I've lost my train of thought a little bit, but, but, what, but no, but what I'm saying is I still carry that feeling of I'm different, I'm different, I'm different, you know, and, and mainly like I just wanted to be seen. Like, I just wanted somebody who'd had that experience to be like, I get it, you're okay, things are going to be okay. And, you know, back to the point we were making earlier about this fixation we have on um, Instagram and social media and being influencers and showing these rewards, I really think that's where it comes from. I think people just want to be seen. I think, you know, we, we learn to accept that our loved ones might not totally see us in the way that we kind of need and then in turn as we grow older it's like we or at least this has been my experience I don't want to speak for everybody I didn't totally know how to see myself because I was performing because I was trying to seem important because I was trying to seem like I mattered and it was like once I was able to have these major like tragedies happen and let go of all of that pressure I could finally be like okay this is up to me now you know like at a very young age like this is who I am and I'm making the choices and it's like once you do that once you're actually able to see yourself and like kind of be your own best friend that whole desire goes away because you don't really care you don't care if so so and so makes me feel important because I make myself feel important does that make sense a hundred percent it's you you realize that a lot of it is in inside of you we always go to these external forces to to make us feel happy and to do these things and i talked about it in a recent instagram reel shameless plug on my reels that i've been trying to like power through but this idea of of happiness and we're always happiness itself is happiness is usually from an external source something is happening to make us happy with that internal joy that we can feel when we're doing something when when something's really illuminating our, our hearts and souls that's that's where you find the purpose that's where you find the drive because the external circumstances for every high there's going to be a low and more often than not i found that if you put your faith in too many external sources the lows are always going to be deeper than your highs and you're going to feel like you never climb out of it because you're always looking for someone to give you that gratification people were flipping their shit today i don't know when it happened or what happened exactly but instagram the reels they weren't counting views 
So I posted one today and I was like, this is kind of weird. Like it has a ton of likes, but it had zero views. I'm like, that's weird. And apparently it was a glitch. Every, everyone on Instagram was having zero views and people were livid. They were flipping out that they weren't getting like their view numbers weren't going up or whatever. And it's like, that's the problem. Because if you remove that view counter, if you take that off, then what happens? Are you still, are you still worth it? Is your message still important? Do you still feel validated by what you created? if you didn't have five people, thousand people watch it, if you have no idea how many people saw this, do you still found va find value in what you did or what you consumed because so. more people aren't, you're like, okay, I'm only consuming this because a hundred, hundred thousand people did already. It's like, well, if you don't know how many people viewed it, do you still get the same thing from it? And if the answer is no, then you're kind of looking at the wrong, wrong thing to, to provide that value in your life. Well, yeah, and it's really hard to be aware of that, right? If you feel like everybody's doing the same thing you're doing, which is what we were talking about before. Um, but that's why, you know, I'm so grateful that someone advised me after the first year of my project to go private on my social media. And I was like, oh my God, because I've been doing so, I've been doing TV interviews, I was in magazines. It's like, oh, I need to keep my momentum, you know? Um, but I did go private and I, you know, thank God. Thank God they told me to do that. And I think you and I touched on this in our last conversation because what it ended up doing for me was it made me start to say, is this still worth doing if I'm the only person who cares about it? Mm. And, and it's scary to me that that has become now a big dilemma for people because the answer was yes. The answer was yes, it is. And, and that helped me a lot towards the end of my second year because, you know, I injured myself doing one of the list items and had to get foot surgery. And then I was on the couch and I also was laid off from my job, which I'd had for, you know, almost a decade. Uh, I found myself essentially gradually losing more and more pieces of my life that I had identified with that had given me a sense of worth. And it was like the more like, you know, cause with my foot, it was like, Oh God, I'm a runner. What if I can't run anymore? So as I began to shed all of these little pieces of me, it just, it was devastating. It was scary. Cause it's like, well, who am I if I'm not this thing? I mean, I imagine probably like professional athletes go through that if they get to a point where they have to retire. Cause you've put everything, you've put all of your focus into this thing that you are. But you know, what it comes down to is you're really never gonna know who you are until you go through that. And if you're putting purpose and intention into being your truest self, which is, you know, by starting the list, I really was doing that because people would ask me all the time, why are you doing this? And I mean, even now I, I'm still, you know, if I'm, if I'm writing something, it's like, I'm still asked that. And I just have to say, I don't know. <laughs> like my heart, my heart said, do this. It, it was a really just blink and, and that's the decision is done. It was just, I knew in a moment. And I don't feel like, I mean, I, I just don't feel like it's easy to explain something like that. But if you do, you, it's like your subconscious is choosing for you. And I mean, I was aware of it, that that was happening, but really our subconscious is always making choices for us and we're not aware of it. But if you are able to be conscious of, of saying, okay, well, my subconscious wants to heal. My subconscious wants to do something that's really good and that's only about love yeah do that thing because if your intention is love like you're gonna let go and get rid of all that shit that is not you and it's scary and it's hard but it's like you just have to have faith that it's going to work out and I really think like you know had I not followed that advice and had I maintained a public image 
while going through that, I mean, who knows what could have happened? Who knows if I would have said, well, I'm humiliating myself. I'm showing that this is too hard. I'm showing that you lose your whole identity and, and I can't handle that. That could have happened, but it didn't. Instead, I'm like, okay, I'll just write about it. I'm just writing my book. It'll go in the book. And, and I mean, I think that's better for the story anyway, because really... I mean, reality isn't a show. Your reality is you're going through this and you're having your experiences and they're real. And how can you write about an experience if like you've already shared, you know, the highlight reel with everybody? I think that makes it a lot harder. That is so true. Because I find that, like I still have to write one of my race reports and I find it that after I write those race reports, it's hard it's hard when I when I give too much time and I've already posted pictures or something like that. And I've been more cautious about doing that where after a race I'll post like one picture like, Hey, I did this state, great. But I won't go into any depth with anyone until I write it. And this was a learned thing because I would share all the pictures, I'd do all the things, and I'm like, Well, people have already seen like they've seen the happy ending. They don't need to see me like shitting myself in the woods kind of thing. You know, it's like they, <laughs> like like it's a funny story. I hear that story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't actually happen, but the, it's just that, that whole idea of we, if we, like you said, if we, if we show everyone the highlight reel, no one really cares about the details, unfortunately, but they're in it for the full story. So if they don't know, if you're not giving them the cliff notes up front and you're kind of saying, Hey, read the whole story, people are into it. But a lot of times, most people, once they get the highlights, they get the gist of it. And then they fill the details in themselves. And then when you read it, yeah. you're like, oh, that's not how I, like my head was better than whatever that was. It's like, yeah, cause your head didn't actually happen. How you filled the gaps in those details, that didn't actually happen. This is what actually happened. And no, I think that's a, I think that's a great, a great spin on it. And who's calling me? It's gotta be a spam call. I wish I had my phone connected right now to Bluetooth to my board. Cause I would just answer don't it answer, live. Don't answer, don't answer. I was gonna answer it live and then be no, like, don't. I had I had identity theft last week. You don't want to deal with it. <laughs> it yeah, was I, terrible. They got into my bank account. They got really? everything. Yeah, it was crazy. It was really crazy. But I mean, it's interesting because I feel like this touches a little bit of on what we're talking about because, you know, I mentioned to you earlier today I wanted to talk about failure and and um, humility. And you know, I the, the past week was very challenging for me. I mean, not only did I have someone call me and basically get into my bank account and start paying themselves a hundred dollars in like five different cell payments, um, which I stopped, and which you know I'm doing all the steps now to fix it. But like two days before that happened, I DNF'd my first race, and it was a triathlon, which is the thing that I'm training for now. And it was like this horrible feeling when it happened, which I've never had before. You know, not not consciously. I don't think I can remember ever feeling like this except maybe being like a helpless little child or something <laughs> like I had a stomach issue um, because I have IBS and I'd eaten the wrong thing but you know it's also connected to stress so I think I was just very stressed because um, you know it's scary your first triathlon that you've ever done is a terrifying thing especially when you get in that water um, in the wetsuits it's just you know I made a mistake by not practicing in the wetsuit so that was a little bit shocking um, and I got out there and my stomach was too heavy I'd only had an hour of sleep and I thought, okay, usually I could work through this with a run, but like, I just couldn't do it with the swimming. And, and it was like, I was treading water. Everyone had gone way ahead of me and I had to make a choice. I had to say, well, I can keep pushing or I can drown <laughs> or I could save myself, you know, or I could let someone pull me out and just accept it that this one was not, this is not my day. So I, I think really, um, that would have been much more devastating for me, that experience and, and embarrassing. 
as well as because I did tell the story um, online after the fact of, of what went on. And the only reason I decided to do that was because, you know, I'm raising money for Girls on the Run. And people have been donating to see me do this uh, this half Ironman in September. So I thought, okay, well, I have to show them how today went because I'd really been hyping it up for a few days before it. Um, but I think had uh, had I not had four years now under my belt of all of these failures with doing this project, you know, to DNF in that way, and then also like two days later to have someone be like, haha, I'm taking all your money. Um, it would have been so much worse. Yeah. It would have been so much more stressful. It would have been like, why did this happen to me? <laughs> you know, like, right. And I'm not lying. I, there was a moment where I was crying and saying that to my husband, <laughs> you know, but it would, it would have been like more than saying it one time. It would have been like 10 times, you know, like we have, I feel like we, when things go wrong, and I feel like I see this all the time, especially with people my age, when things go wrong, it's like, okay, how could I have prepared for this? And, and am I, am I the idiot? Because I didn't prepare for this. And then if like you rule that out, then it's like, well, was I mean to somebody? Like, am I being punished? You know, why am I being targeted with this like horrible thing that just happened? And it's kind of almost like a childlike way of looking at God or looking at the universe when you think like that, you know, not really that different from the whole, like, you know, a plus on the, on the refrigerator we were talking about a minute ago. We're not necessarily, I mean, you know, I, I know I'm speaking in generalities right now, but obviously I have my faith and my belief and I'm not saying I'm exactly right, but in my experience and in my belief system, I don't think that we're doing this all alone. I don't think that, you know, we're we're dealing with a punitive God who, if we've made a mistake, we're going to hear about it. You know, like if we've done something the wrong way, karma is going to kick in and, you know, and then we're going to lose our dad in a terrible car crash. You know, it's like, it just, it doesn't, I, I don't think that it works like that. Um, what I feel, at least what I use to guide my own life is that, God is always helping me. Um, I have the d divine essence in me. I was made in his image. So whatever I do, whatever choice I make, it's always going to be for my benefit. It's always going to be. So, so it's like, if you believe that strongly enough, then when you have an experience like that, you know, you can flip it like in a second, you can say, Oh, you know what? That, that cycling course looks super challenging and perhaps I was going to crash. Perhaps, you know, I was going to like really injure myself today. You know, maybe because on, I'm telling you the truth. When I was standing in front of that terrifying lake, I was praying for God to protect me. That's what I was. I wasn't God, please help me do well in this race. <laughs> I was like, protect me. And that's what happened. You know, your prayers will be answered. You know, it's just you, you don't you don't know always like you can't always see it that that's happening but but i mean it really is about faith and and i i just feel like you know what a lot of times what happens is like you'll you'll experience something and if you still didn't get it like what that lesson was with the thing then you'll have it again and it will keep happening you know and i think oprah talks about this all the time like you'll hear a whisper and then it will be like a brick building has fallen on you and and essentially what i basically came to last week the experiences i was having with both being in that water needing to get myself out and then two days later oh someone's taking my identity is like being so invisible and alienated and helpless like that it was the same feeling with both situations like do i exist you know and i think i needed to feel that because 
you know, as we speak, um, right now my book proposal is with editors. You know, there's a lot of personal stuff in my memoir that that I've that I've written, and it's not totally done yet. But to have that out there is a very exposed feeling to have, and it's like I have to get to a level where I'm comfortable, where I feel okay, where I feel like you know what, like I love doing this. This makes me happy. You know, I'm excited. I'm so excited about this adventure, and it doesn't matter. Like it really doesn't matter what anybody thinks of it. It's a cool bonus if someone's like, "I want to buy this, and we want to share it with with people because it will help them and entertain them, et cetera, et cetera." But that can't be the reason. The reason I'm doing this is because I have to, because yeah. it fulfills me. You know? Yeah, I think I think that's the most important thing, and we'll we'll wrap up now because people are probably like this has been a long episode like we talked a long time last oh, time too you guys realize we always that do this. We're, we're gonna do it it just it just means we have to talk more again we'll have you on the show again but i think this whole idea of we've we've reiterated in, in different ways today of this you have you can make your own choices and and we all yep. want to be seen and we all want to continue to learn but it's all about what what your goals are how you define success what's important to you like you said I do this podcast it really and truly, and I've said it a ton of times, shamelessly is to meet cool people and to talk to people. I make zero dollars off this podcast. I don't have ads. I don't have sponsors. I don't have literally anything. I do this all myself and I'll make no money, but, but that's, that's not what I consider success on it. And, and yes, I'd like people to listen to it, but I don't go crazy over numbers and metrics and stuff. I go, you know what? People didn't like one. That's fine. I enjoyed the hell out of that conversation. This is, this is amazing. I learned something new or I did something new and I had a new experience. And I think that's so important and no matter what we're doing in our lives is to make sure that we're doing it for us. Make sure it's something that you wanna do. It is your purpose. It is your story that you're, that you're doing. Yes, you can kind of have your dad come alongside of you and maybe, maybe nudge you a little bit, but it's still your story and you're literally writing that story. And I think that's, that's such a, a poetic way of viewing it is yeah, that people come alongside of us and, and might guide us and maybe nudge us in different directions. But in the end, if you're only doing it because it's someone else's, you're never going to truly experience the story like it was meant to be experienced. Yeah, and that's that's so cool you said it like that because this list item with the triathlon is own a $200 suit. And I mean, what does own mean if not doing it my way? And doing it my way was crapping out the first time. And that's okay. Because <laughs> I owned it. And you know what? That suit still looked good, even with my giant belly underneath of it from my IBM. <laughs> uh, it's, it's okay. It's not going to go perfect, but you'll get there. Exactly, exactly. Laura, thanks for being on the show again. Oh, thank you for having me. I love talking with you. Of course. We're gonna, we'll have you back on um, as soon as we possibly can. We'll find it. We'll, we'll do it. When, when's the triathlon? The, the, Iron, the half Iron Man, Man is going to be um, August seventh. Oh, sorry, no, September twelfth. Uh, but I did. I just signed up for an, a sprint distance August seventh in Atlantic City. Both nice. of them. Nice. That'll be fun. Atlantic City is a cool little place. But yeah. So we'll we'll talk again probably this fall or winter and kind of just see the lay of lands. We talked. You know, we started with our conversation about COVID and what this all means. We'll see. Maybe another few months. Hopefully, no! every conversation we have. <laughs> Is it like a complete reset? Like maybe this is like, we've just now bookmarked COVID. You're welcome world. No. We just bookmarked everything and we have the beginning and the end of it. It's, it's official. Yes, let's, let's say that's what yeah. happened. We have, we have bookmarked <laughs> it. It's not a new chat. It's a new chapter, but there's, there's no more issues with it. But 
uh, yeah, I don't. Oh, real quick, shameless plug real quick. I Go. am raising money for Girls on the Run. Um, and if you click on my uh, my social media, you'll see a link in my link tree for that. If you want to if you want to help my cause, because you know what? Girls need the support right now. Yeah, done. So we'll, we'll put that in the show notes as well. So everyone needs to send some funds her way because, yeah, Girls on the Run is an awesome organization. My sister has done a few 5Ks with them in Florida. So it's an awesome thing. Get involved with it. But everyone else, uh, reach out to me on social media everywhere. Uh, flores.run. Subscribe, leave a review for the podcast. You guys know the deal. Visit the website, www.flores.run. Um, yeah, wearehangry.com. You guys know all the things. Thanks so much for joining me today. Remember to keep running with purpose one step at a time. See you guys next week.